RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Sitting Ringside. My name is David Penzer. As always, we are so happy that you are here to listen to this thing we call a podcast. Have an interesting guest for you today. For those of you who don't know him, I'm gonna we're gonna include uh, probably his most infamous, uh, what he's most known for, for sure. Uh, territory wrestler named Eddie Mansfield uh, in 1984, which was 35 years ago. He went on 2020 and did an expose on the wrestling business. Uh, if you've ever seen the highlights of David Schultz slapping John Stossel in Madison Square Garden, uh, it's the same segment. He g- gave away the 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 some of the history, uh, the you know the how to do the moves and actually showed uh, how you take a razor blade and, and, and slice your head, which was something that so many people didn't know at the time. And it was extremely controversial at the time. It was a totally different business. It was a totally closed business. There was no internet. I even think that that was before the wrestling observer newsletter, right around the same time it started. And, um, and, and he made a decision and uh, we're going to find out if he regrets the decision and why he did, this, why he did and went on and did that and what his reasons for that were. Uh, but we're going to, uh, in, in the, um, in the description of the show here, we're going to, uh, put a link to that 2020 piece. And so you guys could see what I'm talking about. And like I said, uh, at the time, it was extremely controversial and, uh, he had wrestling promoters literally threatening to kill him. They thought that, uh, by exposing the business and how the wrestlers bled and all that, uh, that they were, he, he was going to kill the entire wrestling business. As it turns out, uh, Vince McMahon ended up coming clean because he didn't want to pay the athletic commissions and, uh, now everybody knows everything. And you could say that's a good thing. You could say that's a bad thing, but the business is still around and some would say thriving right now. So, um, in the the end it, it, it probably helped kill some territories uh but it, it, it certainly didn't kill the business uh you know I, I think eddie would make an argument that it helped the business uh in in various ways but we're going to talk to him and and if you haven't before uh before you uh listen to our interview if you just want to pause this real quick and click on the link uh that we're going to include on the 2020 uh segment it's about 10 minutes long and uh, just to give you some context on 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 what he did and how big of a deal it was at the time, uh, he was giving away secrets that nobody ever dared gave away uh, for fear of uh, being you know killed, quite frankly. And um, so, looking forward to talking to him. He has some great stories about his time in uh, the Los Angeles territory with Roddy Piper and a whole bunch of celebrities, and uh, a little insight in the XWF. Me and him didn't really get along. He was uh, his production company out of uh, Orlando is the one who produced the shows, and me and him clashed all the time. And this is the first time I've actually spoken to him since, uh, other than to set up the interview, since. Uh, we clash, so I'll ask him why I was a pain in the ass and, and why we, you know, we'll see what he has to say, but it's all water under the bridge. Life's too short now uh, at this point, but back then, man, we could go, me and him, uh, verbally. Now, he'd kill me physically, but we could go ver- verbally. So uh, we're going to get to that in a second. I urge you to watch the 2020 piece. 
to give it some context and uh, hope you enjoy the conversation. Uh, it's somebody that you don't see a lot. And, and I, I'd like to, you know, as much as we like to do the, uh, the Charles Robinsons and the Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who we hope to have on in the next week or so. And, and, and the velvet skies, uh, I'd like to, you know, bring back, uh, people that were instrumental in this business in the past, and it's been 35 years, uh, but people still talk about that 2020 interview and, and, and the career of Eddie Mansfield. So we're going to get a little insight, and I hope you enjoy it. And uh, let me know what you think either way. I uh, do want to mention, of course, as uh, this drops, about a week ago, uh, John Moxley, formerly known as uh, Dean Ambrose, uh, released a video showing... Uh, uh, I don't. It's up to interpretation what it showed, but it obviously showed that he's uh, making a move somewhere. Um, I will. Uh, if I was a betting man, I would say that he will be at Double or Nothing. Uh, can't say if I know that for sure or not, but uh, I have a very good hunch. Let's just say that uh, that Mox, as he seems to be known now, John Moxley will be at Double or Nothing. Although anything could change between now and the end of May. So uh, interesting to see what happens with him. I think really think that um, along with the talent that they already have, if he does go uh, with Jericho, sort of the elder statesman, you got the young guys, the young bucks and Cody and pack and, uh, and, and uh, their crew. And, and you got Jericho and, uh, and, and now uh, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley. I, I really think you start to put together what's the beginnings of a, and, and Dustin, of course, you start to put together the beginnings of what is a, uh, a potentially uh, competitive wrestling brand. Uh, they got Keith Mitchell, who still is on the top of my bucket list to be a guest on this show. I do four episodes with him. Uh, if you watch the, uh, the, the episode on the Von Erich brothers, uh, I'd love to have Keith produce a movie. Uh, he lived through that whole thing. He was the executive producer that uh, kind of created the uh, created the 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 world class championship wrestling program, which at the time was uh, the production values were the best in the business, even better than WWF at the time, better than AWA, better than NWA. Uh, so, and th- that was all Keith Mitchell. He later went on to WWF. Uh, he was my boss in WCW, and uh, he was uh, until recently at TNA Impact Wrestling. And the guy probably has so many stories if he would were to tell them, and I think he's probably hesitant to tell a lot of the stories, but think about what he's seen, the whole rise and fall of the Von Erics, the rise and fall of WCW, the rise and fall of Impact Wrestling, uh, not to mention a little bit of time in WWE. So he's uh, with them now as executive producer, great guy, great human being, great producer, and uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing what the uh, All Elite Wrestling Company uh, is doing. I know Alex Marvez has been up there in Atlanta doing play-by-play practice with Jim Ross. So uh, hope to have Alex on just for a short segment in the next week or two and uh, give have him give an update. We're going to try to have him last week. And he was at the uh, draft, the NFL draft, because that's his main gig. But we will have him on, he promised. And uh, we'll get an update on uh, how intimidated he was, if at all, to be uh, doing practice color play-by-play with uh, the legendary Jim Ross. Also going to get Jim Ross on the show here sooner than later. So uh, looking forward to a lot of great guests coming up and uh, looking forward to seeing what All Elite Wrestling does. Uh, A lot of positive uh, things happening. Jim Ross, Keith Mitchell, uh, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, and uh, you never know what else they have up their sleeve. So we will continue to follow it here. 
uh, on City Ringside. And uh, if you have any questions about anything or you want to uh, chat via Twitter, you could hit me up at David Penzer or you could hit up the show at Penzer Ringside. And uh, uh, love uh, in the interaction that is uh, social media and Twitter. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's uh, hook up with uh, Eddie Mansfield. He was known as the Continental Lover and had quite the career. And uh, flying a little blind on this interview because there wasn't a lot on the Internet. So uh, I don't know a lot about the beginnings of his career. And uh, so we're going to learn together, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. So let's bring on the Continental Lover, Eddie Mansfield on City Ringside. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my guest this week, I am excited to have Eddie Mansfield, the Continental Lover. Now, some of you who uh, are longtime wrestling fans who listen to this podcast will recognize that name, and some of you who are newer wrestling fans will not recognize the name, but I definitely suggest that you go back and uh, Google the man. Uh, was a uh, headliner in many territories in the 19, late 70s, I believe, in 80s, and um, uh, famous for an uh, 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 incident that we will uh, talk about briefly a little bit later on that uh, some people could say changed the wrestling world, but in hindsight, maybe not so much. Um, and uh, also started the first wrestling company out of Universal Studios. So uh, the, the 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 WCW tapings that, that that I was part of, and the XWF tapings, and the the, the TNA tapings out of uh, that Universal Soundstage. The one who uh, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, Eddie, but you're the one who came up with that, correct? Absolutely. All right, we'll get I started that. Uh... We we started the IWF there, yeah. uh, International Wrestling Federation, and had it syndicated, you know, not you know, all all across the country, and we we uh, were the first ones, and you know, we did our promos in front of the the, the attractions, and it it was really a innovative show at that time, and it was a true international audience. We we loaded for every we, we'd shoot five hours each time, and we were load. Low one uh, new audience each each out you know right after each hour boom bam boom boom we had twenty minutes to load in and load out you know wow and and you know you you've been there yeah and and, and when you're working in a theme park environment you're really working around their time and you can't keep their guests too long because they have a fit you know sure. and so they they want you they want you. Go see, you know, King Kong or whatever, you know. Absolutely. Well, you might have started wrestling at Universal, and we'll get back to that. I want to try to tell the story in order because it's a it's a very unique uh, uh, tale of uh, of 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 ups and downs, and 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 finishes on on a on a very cool up, which I think is a cool part of the story. And I was telling you off the off there uh, the recording. Uh, a lot of it I don't know, so I'm learning as just as the fans are are learning, listening to 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 your career and to your story. But I will tell you the one thing I do know, you might have, and, and I will give you credit for uh, starting having wrestling matches at Universal Studios. You did not create the spinning ring. Thank God. Oh, hell, I, I didn't hear that. Have they got a spinning ring now? Oh, when WCW went to, well, I think it was Disney at first and then Universal, uh, the ring, the ring spun around. It was on a, like a, a, you know, like on a stage, like on a circular deal and it spun around yeah. before the main event. All right. So uh, the one thing you oh, could be, no. if, 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 if you have nothing else, and I know you have a lot to be proud of, but if you have nothing else ever to be proud of in your life, you didn't invent the spinning <laughs> ring. All right, so let's, yeah. let's go. How the hell did you announce the matches 
Well, we're coming in and, and, and without, you know, getting, oh man, that's like spinning, you know, over your head. You yeah. Know? Like that's too much. And, 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 and to top it off, uh, we would tape like at 10 in the morning and I was like half hung over. So <laughs> doing everything to try to stay on my feet. But, uh, oh yeah, that's, a, it had to be tough, man. That, I'm going like, oh my goodness. That's another. It's oh. another story. I'll I'll see if I can find one of those spinner ring deals and and I'll send it to yeah. you. Uh, send you the link. That's a cool. I, hey, that's cool though. Uh, I mean, it wasn't that cool. Uh, let's spin him around a little bit. See, I, <laughs> I can take it with a hangover. Yeah. <laughs> so I know literally nothing. You know, a lot of times if I have a guest, even if it's somebody uh, that that's been out of the business for a while, you know, I could I could, uh, and I did find some stuff on the internet about you, but I, I literally know nothing about your background, where you grew up, uh, if you were a wrestling fan, uh, who trained you, where you started. So so w- without uh, getting too in deep uh, in in that, uh, why don't you give us a brief overview of of uh, where you where you grew up and where you're a wrestling fan and how you uh, got your, your journey into wrestling started well my journey into wrestling uh, was by accident i was i was in and i was playing pro baseball and i met dick slater and me and me and slater became real good friends and um and i was in georgia at the time and uh he was stopped by and see me on saturdays you know they they uh at that time uh, uh georgia championship wrestling w- would take two shows in the in the morning uh at at TBS, and then they would do a, uh, I want to say a four o'clock, maybe three o'clock, um, uh, and, in Columbus, Georgia. And so he, he would always stop on, on his way to see me in Georgia. And so we'd hang out and have a good time. And, and then, you know, I, uh, he's, it, and the same thing that Terry Funk told me, he says, Hey, if you ever get out of the, you know, the baseball business, you'd be, you'd be good in the wrestling business because you can talk. And, and, um, and uh, so I never thought I would ever, you know, not be uh, a major league baseball player because uh, I was drafted. You know, well, I was signed by Leo Mazzoni, one of the greatest pitching coaches ever in the history of Atlanta Brave baseball. Wow. And um, and then my arm went out. It it, it was just a bad time. And so within I, I was 168 pounds at the time. And so I went from 168 pounds to 230, and um, and it, and people know how that you, know, you just have to do certain things to get to where you want to go, and um, and that's exactly what I did. And so me and this other guy named Ed Siegel, we started working out, you know, learning moves and all this other stuff on our own. And so who re- who broke me in the business? was Leon Ogle. Now, he was a son-in-law of Fred Ward, a oh. promoter in, Colum- in Columbus, Georgia. Yes. And Leon, you know, and Leon beat two people to death that broke in his house, too. That's how tough he was. So Leon broke me in, and I'll never forget, because I'd been working out on mats, you know. You're taking hip tosses on mats and all this other crap. And all of a sudden, I got in a wrestling ring, and he said, hey, can you take a hip toss? I said, absolutely, I can take a hip, a hip toss. I took a hip toss, and I went, I went, I, I could fly. And, and, and I went, and I, when I landed, compared to where I've been landing, I went from concrete to a real ring, you know, that, that, that had stability. And, and 
you know, it was a, even with a ring, you, you know, it'll jump up and hit you anytime in the back. So I, I hit, and when I, I landed, I went, oh, God, I hope I'm all right. I'm fine. And then he was the first guy to ever slam me. He slammed me. And uh, he says, man, he says, you're ready to, he said, you're ready to work. I learned, I really, I was self-taught. And then, then, then I got with, with Leon and then I got with uh, Dickie Slater and Terry Funk. And then they, they really kind of groomed me, you know, and that, that's why I'm nuts. You know, (laughs) it's like, I mean, what do you expect? I mean, you put me around Dick Slater and Terry Funk. What are you going to, you know, what are you going to expect out of a guy? And then, then I become a, a tag team partner of David Schultz. Now, what the hell does that do to you? I didn't know that you were a tag team partner, David Schultz, which is actually interesting in the course of your story, but we'll get there. Um, were you a pitcher for the Braves, for Braves organization? No, oh. this is, this was the A's organization. It was a really, a, back then, you know, they were real cheap, you know, and, uh, they're not like they are today. Um, they would, they would cross pollinate what we used to call, uh, some of us would be like from, say the a side then then some would be from the red sox but but the but that was uh leo mazzoni's first head coaching job and 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 minor league baseball and um and for you know it, it was one of the proudest days of my life and 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 to be able to get signed with all these other guys that that were uh, number one i was only 17 years old i was out of just out of high school sure and so I'm in Corpus Christi, Texas, and I have to face three straight Pan American All Americans. Just came from the Pan American Games, right? I threw nine friggin' pitches, Dave. I blew them away. Boom, 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 sit down. Boom, 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 sit down. Boom, 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 sit down. And so I did, I I was turning 18 within 30 days, and so then I, I was able to sign. You know, um, and it's, it's just, um, one of those things that, that, that went away. That, that was my dream. Yeah. It's still my dream to play pro baseball and I played pro baseball, but not on the major league level. That was my dream. And, and so I, I really liked wrestling. Um, and, and I, I, I loved wrestling. There's probably only three things I've ever loved in my well, but you know, besides your mom, you know that, that sure. doesn't count. But but the, there's only three things I've ever really loved in my life. Baseball was number one, wrestling was number two, and my wife is number three. That's gl- the only three I'm probably glad- that I, I've really ever loved. You know, I'm glad you included her. You, you're 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 off the, the shit list now. If you ever were on it. <laughs> Well, I had to. You and know, your I, mom. So, you got your mom in there, your wife in there, baseball, that, wrestling. You, 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 now, now I know why they, they call you the continental lover, but that, that, that that's <laughs> it here. Hey, this is nothing to do with professional wrestling, but as a baseball fan, do you ever wonder when you look back? And I know it's hard to look back and, and, and try to say, what if? Cause if I could do that all my life and, you know, uh, you know, drive myself nuts. But do you ever look back and right. say, uh, you know, if they'd have had Tommy John surgery back then, like, they do now you know what would have happened or uh will you be on oh, absolutely that? if if the surgeries were better uh back then i mean back then they butchered you god i mean you know if you go if you went in for a surgery back then you, you, you 
forget it. You weren't going to play anyway. Yeah. And, 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 and I look back and said, man, what if? And, and because I, I asked Leo, sitting right in front of me, before I signed that contract, I said, am I good enough? Am I good enough? And that meant the world to me, what he said. I said, Coach, am I good enough to be in the major leagues? He said, absolutely, you are. Wow. And that that was a proud moment for me, believe me. Sure, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it's just amazing. kid. Yeah. It's just amazing how the how how uh, medicine has has changed. Uh, we had not to get too off our wrestling topic, but I, I have a, a a son. I have two sons, and one of them played uh, baseball, little league baseball, when he was in uh, middle school and high school. And there's kids in in high school getting Tommy John surgeries now, so that yeah. they could get drafted and get it over with. It's it's absolutely crazy. Uh, well, I think I think that that. You know, I I read up on I stay up on on a lot of topics because of of what what my business is, and and Tommy John surgeries are being performed a little bit too often on 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 these younger kids. Yeah, and um, I mean you you could probably look up uh, Doctor Tommy John, uh, Tommy John's son, that that's really promoting. You know, don't be so quick to to take you know, what they're doing to the kids now. What happens is, is it, it, when you, when your arm goes, it's minded from over pitching. Right. And that's when they, they make you throw too much when at a younger age. Sure. And, and that's what I did. I was, I was really good in high school and, and, you know, pretty much my whole, my whole life, I was blessed to be able to be a great baseball player. And I threw too much too early. And, when I really needed the juice, you know what I mean? I had a 92 mile an hour fastball and, wow. and, and I had a, had a slider, you know, I had a, a good change and, you know, I could throw a, a pretty damn good knuckleball. And so I had, I had a good variety of pitching pitches and, and, and I could move it around the plate. I knew I, up and down, I knew how to uh, hit the black of the plate and, and I really honed my skill as, as a, as a baseball player. And, and it comes from, from really good coaching and you got to start, you know, uh, for any kids and parents that are listening right now and, and they're, you're, they're going into sports and baseball, especially always remember it's the fundamentals. If you stick to the fundamentals of that sport all the way through, you'll make it to, to where you want to go. Yep. And, and that is so true. I agree. So speaking of fundamentals, getting back to the wrestling portion, I could talk baseball all day, but that's not what the podcast is about. Uh, but uh, getting back to the wrestling part, so fundamentals, you went to uh, uh, get a little seasoning from Leon Ogle, uh, and he, <laughs> he he basically told you that you're ready to rock and roll, that you, you had what it took, you had the fundamentals, quote-unquote. What's the first territory that you worked? Well, my first match, my first match, was against Carl Fergie, uh, and they put me in as a babyface because I was an ex-pro baseball player and all this stuff. And I hated, I hated it. And I and and this I, this was Gulf Coast Championship Wrestling. It, this was right before Ron. It, it was a week before Ron Fuller bought the territory. Wow. Okay. Well, he just bought it from his cousin, so it don't, you know it's like you know they just changed hands. Yeah. And so anyway, so. I went in and I and I did a crisscross 
Well, Carl Fergie, he was going as the Raging Cajuns back then. And Fergie, I did a crisscross. I put him to sleep. In my first interview, I'll never forget this. They had me tell, uh, tell the audience that Ken Lucas, you remember Ken Lucas was known for the sleeper hole. Right. And so he's a big, good baby face. Ken Lucas, Lucas was a great baby face. And he was way, you know, way older. Everybody was way older than me. I, I was only 19 when I started, you know. And so... So I, 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 I'll never forget doing that. I was in that ring 10 seconds, and I was blown up. I was, and I was, <laughs> I, I was so blown up from my nerves, you know. And then, then I went to, to ringside, and, and, you know, I had to make up a story, that, 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 you know, and, and put it in like, like a baby face instead of really saying it like I wanted to say it, you know. And, and so when I got back to the locker room, I said – I walked up to Speedy Hatfield. Now that's a legend down down in the Gulf Coast. And I said, "Hey, Speedy," I said, "Could I I talk to you a minute?" He goes, "Yeah." I said, "Look, man," I said, "This baby face ain't cutting it." I said, "You got to switch me to a heel." He said, "You're the only guy I know that's getting put over and doesn't want to be a baby face. What's <laughs> wrong with you?" I said, "I just hate it." I said, "I I said it's just not me." And Andy, Andy, <laughs> don't take this the wrong way. And we'll get into me and you later, a little bit later on, because uh, we certainly had our battles back in uh, the XWF, and 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 it's all cool now. But it's just fun to, to laugh about it. But uh, but knowing you, the a little bit that I know you, you are not a baby face. <laughs> you are <laughs> as much a natural heel as anybody I've ever met, my friend. <laughs> and so, anyway, I told him. And so Ron came in and uh, bought the territory. And I told, and, and me and Ron, I, I lived with Ron Fuller. Me and Ron Fuller lived together. And I was, I was NWA Rookie of the Year my first year, and he put me and David Schultz together. And, um, and we, we tagged uh, in Southeastern Championship Wrestling, and it was hosted by Gordon Soley. Right. And uh, let me tell you something. I got some stories with Gordon, man, that'll blow your mind. Me and Gordon were good we were pretty tight and Gordon Sully, myself and, uh, David Schultz, man, we did some promos that would probably get get us kicked off the air today. And, um, uh, but we, we, we both could talk. And, um, and then we were, we were, uh, I, w- I went, I left there. I was there for a while. Then I left there. Um, uh, Los Angeles called Ron Fuller and said, uh, Hey, I've been there about a year, I think. And they, you remember when Lonnie Maine died? Yes, uh, sir. Moondog. Yeah. Moon. So they called me to to I uh, to come out to L.A. to take his spot. Wow. And here I am. I, I, man, this is my first year. Right. And I'm I'm going in my first. Let me tell you something. My I, I when I arrived in L.A., I've never seen so many damn cars in my life. I thought <laughs> Atlanta had cars. It made Atlanta look like a joke. You know what I mean? And so, and of course you didn't have cell phones or anything. So I just, I just went off the freeway there and, and, and I just got lucky. And I stopped at this, 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 uh, gas station. I said, Hey, where's the Olympic auditorium? They said, Oh, you're luck. There's grand street right there. Go straight up, straight on, on, make a right on grand. And it'll be right there on the corner. So I made a right on grand and I'll never forget I walked up to to the uh, to the building, right, and to the to the ticket stand, and her name was Cricket. She 
She was in, in charge of tickets. So I walked up. I said, Cricket. Said, yeah, how can I help you? I said, well, I'm looking for Leo Garibaldi. And she said, are you Eddie Mansfield? I said, absolutely. She said, hurry up. Get in there. They're waiting on you. And I said, okay. And so I went in the, the at the famed Olympic Auditorium. I mean, it was something else. Yep. The first time you ever saw it. It, it was it was really awesome. To a wrestling fan, you could walk around there and, and just smell. It's just great. It was just, I mean, it was just unbelievable. And so I walked upstairs and, and met, met Leo Garibaldi. Then I then I, I met Mike LaBelle. And I didn't meet Gene LaBelle until later on. And Gene LaBelle is one of the toughest men that ever walked the face of the earth. He's the president of the Stuntman's Association in Hollywood. And so anyway... He said, hey, you're, you're working tonight. He said, you're in the main event. And I'm saying, damn, that, how, <laughs> do, how did I do this? You know what I mean? They said, always go west, young man. That's where all the gold is, right? And I said, I guess I, I just fell into it. And so I, I didn't draw this crowd. I had nothing to do with it. All I did was cut a couple of promos and talk, talked about it. And, and then I had my heel down, you know, real good because me and David – were together and and David could talk, and and he, David Schultz was one of the best talkers in the business, and and then I became one of the best talkers in the business, and so I really you know started talking about you know about the Mexicans and about you know Mill Mascaris, and that's who I had my first match with in Los Angeles. I was on top against Mill Mascaris. Wow! Sold out Olympic Auditorium. Talk about trial by fire! Wow. Uh, who? <laughs> Who yeah. else? Did, who uh, else yeah. did you feud with? Uh, the Guerreros were the Guerreros there at the time. Oh man, I drew a lot of money with Ch- Chavo Guerrero in Los Angeles. I and, bet. But my first feud, my first feud was not with, with the with, with the Guerrero. It was with Pedro Morales. Now tell me, I didn't fight. I, I had to fight my, you know, for a rookie. And 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 Pedro was great man. I loved working with Pedro Morales. He looked. He was. You know, he he when he started that comeback, boy, he'd have that fire, man. He'd clap that hand, yep. boom, and 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 boom, he'd shoot me in, gut shot me, and boom, he'd fire up, and boy, I was ready because I could fly. You know, I'd fly for him. And Pedro said, "Man, I love working with you." You know, it's like, and so we, I had a hell of a feud with, with Pedro Morales, and 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 then I went from there. See, I worked with all the New York guys. Our our TV went into New York. I was known in New York. I mean, everybody knew who I was, and in in New York. And uh, Victor uh, Victor Rivera came down. All I mean, Pedro, Victor, all of them. You know, yeah, uh, all the New York guys. They got it oh, in New York. Let's go. Yeah, they got it in New York, and I actually got it in South Florida. And I'll never forget Channel 23, UHF Channel. And uh, the only thing I could understand was Jimmy Lennon's ring announcing because I couldn't understand the, yeah. the Spanish play-by-play, but I got to know the players because they had the announcement in uh, Jimmy Lennon Sr. Uh, they had the, the announcements in English. So uh, Yeah, uh, what, a, what, a, what a class act. Uh, talk about Jimmy Lennon Sr. Let me tell you, he used to announce me. Known from coast to coast like butter on toast. <laughs> he can say that. I love the that. Continental lover, Eddie Mansfield. I'll never forget that. And Jimmy Lennon, uh, the day I left L.A. was my last day. There was two guys that meant a lot to me in L.A. You know, besides uh, uh, Garibaldi and, and, and I'll tell you some stories about Garibaldi. 
and and LaBelle, but but Jimmy Lennon Sr. and Red Shoes Dugan right. was one of the greatest referees of all time. You know, all, all you listeners, uh, he's he's a referee in Rocky Three with Hulk Hulk uh, with Hogan playing Thunder Lips against uh, Sylvester Stallone. Yes, sir, he the is the guy with the yeah, that's Red Shoes Dugan with the red shoes and and the red stripes. That was him. And God bless him. He's getting he's getting inducted into the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in uh, Wichita Falls, I think it is. And so I'm I'm so proud, you know, to have had him as as a, a referee. Who, who and Jimmy Lennon? Jimmy Lennon. I I, I don't I, you know when when you, when I left L.A. Man, it, I, I'm going like, gosh, I I didn't know what to do. You know, <laughs> it was different. You know. Yeah, he was uh, one of these, you know, one, one of the best. And I could, uh, I say from experience, he was one of the, if not the best of all time. I'd, other than Howard Finkel, I'd say that he's probably the best of all time. Um, who did you travel with in, in L.A.? Was Piper around when you were there? Yeah, me and Piper, when I first got there, me and Piper tagged for a while. And then, he, you know, and that's what we call in the business getting a rub. And so me and Piper used to hang out a lot together. I can tell you a lot of stories. Please tell Piper. me some Roddy Piper stories. <laughs> okay. You know, Johnny Rods, Johnny Rods used to come down from New York and he goes Java root. Java root. Right? Yes, sir. And so me, and, and, so we had picked up these girls and we would go, this is a landmark on will. If you, when you're next time you're in LA, go to Wilshire and fifth. It's Zucky's. It's Zuckies. a bank now, but it still has the original sign out front because it's, it's a historical landmark. Uh, Mark, it was the best deli in the world and, and restaurant, and is and is a Jewish deli, and 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 we go there and eat all the time. I mean, we would talk to Walter Matthau. We would talk to you wouldn't believe who we'd see there. I mean, it was just like who's who, you know. Yeah. And so so we have these girls there. And old Piper, he's finishing up. And Roddy, Roddy comes by, and there's he goes, hey, guys, how y'all doing? And I'm just waiting, you know. I'm going, man, y'all doing good tonight. Well, well, y'all have a good evening, okay? See you later. And he's smacking that gum, right? And so and when he started, hey, back then, I know, if he started smacking gum with you, he was up to no good, you know. <laughs> If you heard that gum snap smacking, oh shit! Look out! Here, here's something. Some I didn't mean to cuss, but oh, you it, can it, cuss. It, 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 something was up. So here we are. You know, we're ordering food and all this, and me and Johnny's just talking. All of a sudden, here comes Piper through the bushes, <laughs> and they had huge windows. You know, you you can look at you can look it up right now. I mean, they still have those big, huge windows. He turned around and pulled his pants down, stuck his ass in the window, right? And I swear for God, only two guys in the whole restaurant, and the girls didn't see it at all. It was just me and Johnny Rods. And John, Rods is going, you know, get away, get away. And and by that time, he gets caught doing that, and the girl says, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it is a guy out there. And he, she turned around, he's gone. <laughs> nobody's there right and only piper could pull shit like that i mean it's like yeah he was unbelievable i'm gonna tell you jim carrey stole his gimmick 
That's true. Jim Carrey is is he copied Piper. He had to. Piper was one of the quickest guys I've ever seen. Like on on the fly, he could qu- he's so quick. I mean, he you couldn't out. Well, don't even start with him. Right. You you, you, you just you you might as well quit because you might as well wave the flag because he's gonna make you look goofy. Right. I uh, I, I loved Roddy Piper. Yes. We we had a lot of blasts together. I'll never forget. <laughs> this lasted two days. Red Bastine. You remember Red Bastine? Yes, sir. So, oh oh, Red Bastine. <laughs> he goes, okay, Piper. And and Mansfield, he says, "Hey, I expect y'all to be out, be be out here, out front. We're going to work work out at, at Joe Gold's, you know, because Joe Gold was a big wrestling fan. I, I I rented my apartment on the beach from from Joe, and we used to play volleyball against Chuck Barrett. I can tell you those stories. That was really good ones. But anyway, so me and Piper, and we're out, we're we're out partying, you know, and." We we didn't roll into about three or four, and that red bastine expected us to be up at that to go to that gym, right? And so I I get up and I come out of of, of my apartment and I come up meet Red. Hey, how you feeling? I'm feeling great, man. You know, shit, I couldn't even see in front of me. I'm so tired. <laughs> and so here's Piper, his head, his hair all messed up, all in. Hi, hey, how you feel, Roddy? Red, how how do I how do I look? <laughs> and Red said, "You look you look like hell." He said, "Well, I feel like hell too." And now you want me to go do do what? And so that that gym lasted two days with Piper. <laughs> and so, yeah, and he he didn't, he didn't want to go back. Right? He, he's right. he's not a morning person. I spent uh, after after no, me, he's not after me and you uh, uh, had our fun in the XWF. I spent. Um, uh, 45 days in a tour bus crisscrossing the country as his book tour manager. Uh, so got to know him very well. One of the kindest, uh, gentlest, uh, biggest hearts in the business, but no, he didn't oh, like, yeah. he didn't like waking up early. I, the first, no. the first, uh, <laughs> the first, uh, couple of cities, cause I booked all the radio and television stuff. So, you know, you have morning drive is the big, is the big stuff. Oh, so yeah. the first, uh, well, I said to him, how many interviews you want to do? And he goes, I'll do as many as, as many as you can. As many, cause he didn't know if, if what I was going to be able to get. I think <laughs> the first town we yeah, were in, right. the first, town we're in was Birmingham, Alabama. I had him up at six in the morning and we didn't stop until one in the afternoon. We did uh, all the different stations, the morning drive. Then we did the news uh, in the afternoon and we must have done 14, 15 interviews. Uh, He looked at me when he got back on that bus and he said, 10. That's the, you know, that look that Piper gets when he's, when he's like frustrated. He said, 10. That's, that's the most I'm ever going to do again. Thank you for, for what you did, (laughs) but I ain't doing 15 interviews and waking up at 6 30 every morning, every day for the next 45 days. And I just looked at him and I said, yes, sir. Cause I figured, Hey, I, I, I showed him what I could do. He told me what the limit was. Now we're on, now we're, now we're on the same playing field. Now we understand each other and everything's cool. Yeah. I can see I'd had. That head, that head of cock, and he'll go, no, 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 Dave. This is not going to happen anymore. Yeah, I can, I can see him. Yeah, I mean, you know, let me tell you, he, he was a hoot, man. He, I was so blessed. He patched. He's the one who passed the torch to me in Los Angeles. Wow. And so I was a main heel, and then, then I brought in. 
like Bad Bad Leroy Brown, the Twin Devils. And so Chavo, I'm having this big feud with Chavo. And we're we're drawing, you know, really good. And then it what I, I brought in the monsters, you know what I mean? To 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 kill he you know, Chavo was known as the giant killer and he really believed he was. And so anyway If he hey, and, no disrespect to him, but I've told this to his face when he was alive and I've told his son, uh, God bless him, if he drank enough he was he could kill any giant in the world. Yeah, and he believed it. Because <laughs> it's true, and and God and God bless him, Eddie was the same way. Yeah, they they were giant killers. Yes, and sir. so anyway, and 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 with Leroy, Leroy was was a lot of fun. But but now, what was I talking about with Chavo? Giant killers. You brought in a well, bunch of monsters, killers. And, and and the monsters. And so so when when Roddy turned, turned you know, passed the torch to me, he goes, "Hey, you know." Only thing you got to remember, Ed, and I said, "Oh, here it comes," because I've been traveling with him, you know. Yeah. And 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 like, if he start, if he he slows down, you know something's not right. Yep. And so he goes, "You know what you got to remember?" I said, "What?" He said, "You got three Guerreros here. You're gonna be wrestling one each night." I said, "Oh, oh. so that's the way it works." And he goes, yeah. And he said, and they're going to work your ass off. He said, not them, but Leo Garibaldi. He said, you're going to be in from the second match as a manager to, to all the way to the main event when you're you're wrestling. So by the time you get to the main event, you're going to be worn out. And I'm telling you, they worked, they worked him to death. They worked me to death. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm honored that they gave me that spot. But, buddy, did I earn it. Yes, sir. I mean, I was I was managing people from the second match all the way to the main event when I would be in the main event, and then I'd put Leroy at ringside with me, and and I swear to God, I used to hear in my sleep that bad bad Leroy Brown song. <laughs> he was like the first I guy mean, to no have music. Much, he was he was no, the first guy to have entrance music even before the Freebirds, I think. Yeah, and 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 I. So I will never forget that bad, bad Leroy Brown. I like Jim Croce. He, he's great. Just don't sing that damn song to me again. <laughs> you know, it's like, God, no matter how much I drink, I would be haunted by that. <laughs> you know, it's like, bad, bad Leroy Brown, baddest dude in the whole damn, yeah, hell. I wanted to crack that man. You know what I did one night in L.A.? They had that boom box, right? They'd play that. I, I said, you know. I said, I just had enough. I, and, and they started playing that music. I grabbed that boom box and I <laughs> stepped on it. And I'd be damned if that damn Jeff Walton and that damn Bob Kubik didn't go buy a better one. <laughs> you know? They were, <laughs> so, they were waiting for an excuse. Yeah. And I gave them one. I stopped the hell out of it. But I didn't have to listen to that, that damn song that night. <laughs> and Leroy came down. And he goes, what happened to the music? I said, the damn thing's broke, you know. That's what I said. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's just some of the stuff that we went through yeah. in L.A. And I got stabbed like three or four times in, in L.A. I bet. The one thing I've come to realize is that listening makes us smarter, more connected people, and it makes us better. There's no better place to start listening than Audible. Audible is where so many are inspiring voices and compelling stories 
open listeners up to new experiences and new ways of thinking. Audible members now get more than ever before. You get three titles every month, one audiobook, plus two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. Members also have unlimited access to more than 100 audio-guided fitness and meditation programs. If you're into the fitness and meditation, this is a perfect place for you to go. Audible delivers bestsellers, business, self-improvement, memoirs, and so much more, all professionally narrated by actors, authors, and motivational superstars like Rachel Hollis, David Goggins, and Mel Robbins. Audible members can also get free access to the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post delivered daily to the Audible app. Keep up with all the news that's fit to print only on Audible. With a convenient app, members can access Audible anytime at the gym while commuting on the go and on any device. It will always pick up right where they left off. Never have to go search to find where you left off. It does that for you. Audible also offers free and easy audiobook exchanges, credits you could roll over for a year, and a library you keep forever, even if you cancel. I think that's a very cool part of this deal. If you cancel at any time down the road, you get to keep your entire library. Explore all the ways listening on Audible could help improve mind, body, and soul with entertainment, information, and inspiration. If you're a fan of wrestling podcasts, you're a fan of wrestling books, and there are a ton of wrestling book titles available. As a matter of fact, recently, as you might have heard, I was on Talk is Jericho, and uh, thank Chris for having me on, and found out that his books are available on Audible, and they are narrated by himself, and uh, looking forward to hearing that, and uh, lots of other great books, Jim Ross and other uh, autobiographies and biographies available. Uh, so if you're a wrestling fan, this is a perfect deal for you. Take a trip, work out, and listen to your favorite wrestling books. You can start listening with a 30-day Audible trial and your first audiobook. It could be the best in the world by Chris Jericho, plus two Audible originals are free. Visit audible.com slash ringside or text ringside to 500-500. That's audible.com slash ringside, R-I-N-G-S-I-D-E, or text ringside to 500-500. Great opportunity to support City Ringside and our advertisers and also pick up your favorite wrestling books and self-help books and fitness books and meditation books and everything under the sun. That's Audible. Dot com slash ringside or text ringside to 500 500 visit audible.com slash ringside today hey you mentioned chuck barris are you talking about the gong show chuck barris yeah the, the gong show chuck barris okay because yeah. i'm a me big and joe, me and joe me and joe go would play him and Vern langdon you, you you remember Vern langdon name sounds familiar but anyway look him up he, he worked with chuck barris for years but they they were doing the gong show and so, me and uh, me and Joe would would play two on two against him and and Chuck Barris, and Chuck he he be he be higher than a kite, and, and and this is early in the morning, about about eight nine because we had short trips. You know, our longest trip was a hundred miles right. in in in, in, in L A. Great territory, and and so we'd play. He'd have eleven or twelve different women every day. I mean, every day. You're talking about a continental lover. Now that guy was a lover. I mean, God, I couldn't, I couldn't produce twelve women like that every day. Wow. 
but but I didn't I didn't offer them jobs either in Hollywood. Yeah, you know. So, exactly. Well, you, and you, hey, if you if you want to show up, hey, if you want to get on on the show, get get a break. Hey, no problem. Just come over here. Be be at the pier. And so that's what we did. Chuck was a great guy, though. He really was. Was he as whacked out as he seemed like he was? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even even wackier. <laughs> and so, well, I could tell you some parties that we went to in Hollywood Hills. Oh, my God. You ever heard? You remember that J.P. Morgan? Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I walked in a I walked into a room. Boy, did I find her in a compromising position. <laughs> but but it wasn't with, it wasn't with who you think it was. So it was you know, it 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 was. She said, "Well, just come on in." I said, "No, I'm fine. I just got to keep moving." Boom! I got the hell out of there. You know, it's like. But I, I can I can really tell you some really cool stuff. So tell me. And and well, it, it, it you know, chat. Uh, some of it I better not. I shouldn't say because I'm going to get myself in trouble. There you go. And um, but um, you know I met I met Rose uh, Rose Kelly, uh, Peaky Tuscadero on the Fonz. I met uh, God. I met so many people in Los Angeles because you're around the stars, and that's the first time I ever went to the Cauliflower Alley Club was with me and Roddy Piper was in, in 1978. Me and Piper went to, went there and. Uh, uh, Mike Mazurki was still over everything, and all the stars were there. Dave, you you would have went nuts. I mean, all the stunt guys were there. Archie Moore, the boxer, was there. Uh, God, who's some who's some of the other stars? Um, oh, geez, there was just so many. There was star. It, it, it was it was actors, wrestlers, and um, and uh, stuntmen. That they would all come together at the Cauliflower Alley Club, and yeah. it was really, really cool. And we stayed there and 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 hung out and and met all these different people from. And you know that's that's kind of the way I guess, you know, Roddy got got in in and in, into the acting bit. He got the acting bug, you know. Right. And um, from being around, we were around so many actors out there, and and so many. You know, every waitress out there has got. She's pitching you, you know, and and we're wrestlers. You, I can't do anything for you, you know. It's like, you know, go pitch my boss. But but every every day, you know, you know, Andy Kaufman used to come watch us wrestle. Wow, I'm a huge Andy Kaufman, Mark. Now I went to see. I was invited by him. It was me, Jay York, the Alaskan. That's we're the guys who really train him in wrestling and I, not, not as much. I only worked out with him about probably eight or nine times, but, but Jay, you know, finished him up to where he could wrestle the women and stuff. Jay York was the Alaskan. Right. And he, he's passed away now. And, uh, but, but Jay really taught Andy and he invited us down to the rainbow room down in Hollywood. And, to see and and I watched him do Elvis. He he's, he was the best Elvis impression I have ever seen. Amazing! You, you close your eyes and swear it was Elvis. Yeah, I was. Andy Kaufman was a genius. Yes, absolutely. And then then he was smart enough to go to Memphis and and get with Jimmy uh, Jimmy Hart. And man, they they drew some money. They drew some big money. And him and Jimmy did a lot of good together. You know. 
That's so cool that you uh that you that you got to see him in the rainbow room. I'm a I'm I'm officially jealous of you at Evansfield now. Hey, um <laughs> we I could talk about LA forever. Um and and maybe we'll get you we'll we'll tell some more stories towards the end. Um you you at what uh, correct me if I'm wrong and I could be wrong cuz I'm just guessing, but uh after Los Angeles you went to Southwest, correct? Joe Blanchard? Uh no, went I went to Atlanta. Uh, uh no, I, no. Here's where I, I, I went. Have, have you ever heard of the, the Knoxville Wars? Yeah. You know, the tapes that just were released by Bob Roop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, yeah. Okay, well, I was a part of that. Me and Ron Fuller flew to Los Angeles to get me. Him and his uh, future wife, Sherry, flew to get me to come back to Knoxville to team up with David Schultz to come in to help them saved the, the territory and so i was saying that earlier in 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 this broadcast that 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 um when he came what i had planned to do was we, we were off the the month of december in los angeles right right the whole month so i'd go back i wanted to go back for 30 days and help help him out because ron gave him he really helped me right. you know in my start in the business and you know I lived with him, and, and he was my friend, and he needed my help. And so we were going to be down. And so we went, and, and so I made up my mind. I said, I'll come help you. And so and he's going to team me and David up. And so I went to tell Michael Bell, and now Michael Bell says, you're not going anywhere. I said, well, hey, I'm only going – I got to go. I'm, I'm going back south anyway. I said, I'm just going to work there for like 30 days. You know, and then I'll be I'll be back here for the World Battle Royal. He says, "You're not going anywhere." He said, "You work for me." I said, "I understand. I work for you, but I'm off for thirty damn days. Why can't I go help him?" I said, "He helped me," and he said, "I forbid you to do that." I said, well, "I'll tell you what you forbid." I said, "My ass is saying I'm not coming back. Now I am leaving." Wow. And he sent Leo Garibaldi out out to to my apartment when I was packing. I had the damn Mayflower van getting my ass out of there, right? <laughs> so he says, you can't leave. I said, yeah, I'm leaving. He said, we'll pay for your apartment. We'll do that. I said, well, why wasn't you doing that before about this damn <laughs> valuable? I mean, why the hell I was, I'm so valuable now? I said, I got to go help my friend. And I said, I'll come back. But, but they t- he says, they ain't going to let you come back. I said, because I go help him. And so I went, me and, me and Schultz, I left it, it, and this was almost 80. And um, so I came back to the Knoxville, and, and that was the last time Knoxville drew big money, was when me and Schultz and Ronnie Garvin was there, and, and uh, I don't know who else was there. But we had a, we had a uh, Jimmy Golden. It, it was pretty much, uh, you know, the Welch and the Fullers and me and David and um, Mac McMurray was there. He was a referee. Right. He was uh, Ron's bag man. He was a town guy, you know. And so, and and it, it was really amazing because what we we came in as a Hollywood connection, Doctor D and the Continental Lover, and bam, and Les Thatcher was was the announcer. Les Thatcher is an underrated announcer. You yes. know, a play-by-play guy. I agree. He, he did a real good job at Southwest, Southeastern Championship Wrestling. And um, 
he did that in Knoxville, and Gordon Soley did it the one in in um, in Dothan. Right. We, we, when we shot in Dothan, you know, and so we were working two territories, Pensacola and Knoxville, which was really tough in those days, you know, and so. Did the Knox, what else you want to hear? Did the Knox, huh? did the Knoxville quote unquote Knoxville Five group and those guys that ended up uh, releasing that video did do, did they contact you to try to get you to come over to their side or they knew you were so entrenched with Ron that they didn't even try? Well, let me tell you what. So it, it's Bob, Bob Roop. I love Bob Roop. Bob Roop's a good guy. And uh, so we walk in. We we get we just got there. Me and David. We walk in the locker room and there's Orton Jr. And Bob Roop there, we go, hey guys, how y'all doing? And they looked at us, and 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 I looked at at at, at Junior. I said, what the hell's wrong with you guys? Hey, we know why you're here. Yeah, we know why we're here too. To make some damn money. No, you're here to take our spot. Take your spot from where? Who who? We we don't even know what you're talking about. See, he Ron didn't even he didn't even let us know you know, about the trouble, who it was. Right. He said, I just need you guys to come in and help save the territory. So we thought everybody in there came, you know. Right. But Roop and Orton and and uh, Ron Wright and um, uh, Malenko were trying to steal the territory. Yes, sir. And Ronnie Garvin. Ronnie Garvin. Uh, the former NWA champion. And Ronnie, I love Ronnie Garvin. Ronnie Garvin's a great guy. Oh, my goodness. He's one of the greatest guys. He he could work his. He was good. I loved writing. So we 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 worked there, and you know what was really funny, Dave? Labelle was booking Andre the Giant. What happened was Labelle got so mad he had the Giant. He wouldn't he wouldn't give the Giant to to Ron for for almost a year. And and me and Andre, I'd worked with Andre out in L.A. You know that? How was that? Oh, I loved it. What what happened was I was working with him. I worked him around the whole loop. Leo Garibaldi, this is how smart Andre was to all you people listening. Andre was a businessman, and and I was a top heel. And Andre and 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 Garibaldi, he was going to have the giant beat me. John says, "Are you crazy?" He said, "You're he, this is your top heel." He says, "No, no, no." He says. He get heat on me. I make comeback. I give him big ass bump. He goes over top rope, keeps going, and that's what I did every night. Kevin Andre the Giant. Kevin Sullivan said uh, similar stories about Andre in Florida when he was when Kevin was the top heel. Uh, how Andre uh, they wanted Andre to go over, and, and Andre refused to to do a clean finish with him because uh, he didn't want to kill the heat for when he was gone. So. The guy really, exactly. Guy, you're not the first person to say that. The guy really understood the business. Yeah, and he was great. I loved working with him. Andre was so cool, man. He was he was one of the greatest guys in the world, and and I got along with him good. And and so I'll never forget. So next time I saw uh, Andre, we were in Hazard, Kentucky, of all God, sinking up in the hills <laughs> of, of of Kentucky. You know what I mean? And it's like. I mean, it's packed, and you know they and and they all look alike up there. And so okay. anyway, and so we're, we're Andre comes over to me. He goes, "Hey, boss, what happened?" I said, "Hey, Ron needed my help, and I was coming for just thirty days." He goes, "Oh, LaBelle got pissed." I said, "Yeah, real pissed." 
I said, and and so he goes, oh, I was wondering. He says because you do because I was doing so good, you know, in right. L.A. And he said, well, I was wondering what happened. I said, that's it. I came to help him, you know, in Knoxville. Oh, okay, no problem, boss. You want to play some cribbage? Yeah. <laughs> and so, and and um, but Andre was a smart, smart guy for the business. He knew he knew how to draw money and, and not kill the hill. So I got a, I got a question for you, and I wasn't planning on asking this, but I didn't realize that you were around Knoxville when that whole thing happened. So it turns out that, and we'll get to your 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 deal with 2020, and I'm not going to harp on it, but I do have some questions about it that I don't think have ever been asked before. Uh, but but and and now it turns out that five years before that happened, uh, those guys had had. Uh, had recorded and never released a similar video at that time when people were mad at promoters or mad at the the business, so to speak, was it common to sit around or, or, or drive back to the town and say, you know what, you know, I'm going to expose this fucking thing. Excuse my French. You know, uh, was that something that was a, a theme or was that, is that just a total coincidence? Oh, you know, every night, that's why me and David always rode together. And cause we didn't discuss that. We just had fun. And, and if you rode with anywhere anybody else in any other territories, you know where I was in Atlanta or or, or whether I, I I was in you know you know Los Angeles, whatever. They, everybody's always complaining. Oh, I, di- I didn't do the, I didn't get enough this. I didn't get that. It, it, it it's it's whiners. They're always whining. But I, I gave them the opportunity to do something about it, and nobody nobody did anything. And yeah. you know how many guys have died since I did twenty twenty. Well, let, well, let's talk. No, I don't know. How do you do? You have a count? A bunch, over two hundred. Yeah, a lot of them. A lot of my friends. Yeah. A lot of my friends as yeah, well. Yeah, mine too. Um, and, and it's like, it's like what I did is they did a screw job on me. Uh, the deal was going in to do twenty twenty was they they were going to uh, focus on. I had laid out um, about the NFL. You know how how they have insurance four hundred one ks. You know what I mean? In right. other words. Kind of like a union. Mm-hmm. I said, I said, and 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 I know, and and then it, you know the NBA and, and Major League Baseball and all this, and I said because on on and and I'll show you this. I got programs from Los Angeles. It says all these th- these these exhibitions on the program. These exhibitions are under the jurisdiction. Of the California Athletic, you know, correct commission exhibition means it ain't real, right? I'm not the first guy to ever say that. No, no, it was just the biggest. So, it was the it was the biggest uh, spotlight ever shown on anything like that. How, how you said that Ole and Fred Ward blackballed you, and that's why that was part of the reason it, you it did wasn't this. so much. It wasn't Fred Ward. Well, he was behind it, but it was Ole Anderson that well, got me. What was the problem he, with you and with he said that He said that right in front of Wahoo McDaniel. He had me and Wahoo when I was drawing all that money in Texas, and he came in Atlanta, and Atlanta was down. He had me and the Indian, me and the chief, to, coming back and forth um, from San Antonio uh, into Atlanta to help him out and, and, you know, be on the card, right? Right. Because we were on USA Network. Right. Me and uh, Wahoo and Eddie Mansfield – were the first two professional wrestlers on nationwide TV 
on the same weekend. We're on TBS at 6.05 on a Saturday and then 10.30 on, on a Sunday morning on Southwest Championship Wrestling. On USA. On USA. Yes, sir. So that's, what, a, that's a that's a that's a trivia question for all you marks. <laughs> so what 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 was the issue when it came right down to it? I don't know that you've never. I, I couldn't find an acknowledgement of what the issue was with that only uh, attempted to black blackball you from the business. Was there one thing, or you guys just didn't get along? Well, well, no. It was it was two things. One, he couldn't get Ric Flair. He was protected by the Crockett's. Right. Right. And so I'm I'm the next beeline because Jody and all these other guys wanted to make me the world junior heavyweight champion, you know, to go along with Rick, you know, two blondes, you know what I mean? Right. And and he wanted me to give him twenty percent kickback of my money. Sorta of like and, and, and sorta of like he would book you out to all the different promotions and you would get a give him a percentage? Yeah, he would he would he would book me out. He would book me out. He wasn't guaranteeing me anything. But he would he, he wanted twenty percent of my money. And I said, Hell, I'm going everywhere now. I'm going to Detroit, I'm going I'm going to Toronto. I'm drawing all and, and Wahoo stepped up and he said, Oh, they leave him alone. He's my guy. He said he's selling out everywhere in San in, in, in Texas. You leave him alone. He and Ole Anderson said this to Wahoo and I wish Wahoo was living, I'd have him on this damn phone. He looked at Wahoo and he said, If he doesn't do what I tell him to do, he'll be finished. And you know what I told Ole Anderson? I said, if you finish, you finish me up in this business because I don't kick back money to your ass, I said, so help me God, I'll go on national television and expose your ass. Wow. And I did. So did you and, go and that did you go looking go for did you go looking for twenty twenty? Did they come looking for you? How did that happen? Well, I had a friend of mine with ABC and and it started it started in Georgia, uh with, with Sam Hall at ABC. And um, and we caught him in all kind of lies and all this other stuff, because what I wanted my my what I wanted to do was get get the wrestlers a 401k and and a retirement plan with, with hospitalization, you know, like insurance, like every other pro sport had, you know, because I was used to seeing that, right. you know, and and I thought it was odd. That you're a billion dollar business, but you don't take care of the people who, who make you the money. Right. And and I, I've I always had a problem with that. I still do. And um, if if anything, all right, they, all right. So I forced their hand. I shine. I shine the light. I, I made WrestleMania bigger than it ever would have been because when I put that when I did that 2020 piece, that is still the highest rated show in 2020 history. Wow. And they double-crossed my ass, Dave. They were spo- it's supposed to be a story about how the wrestlers had no health benefits, no 401ks, not about all, uh, going up there and asking, is it fake and all that. They promised me they would never use the word fake. See, now you're getting the real truth. And it's in, it's in, it's in the transcript. You can order it. And I told them, do not, uh, do not interview David Schultz. He has nothing to do with this. I said, you go to Ole Anderson. Well, they went to Ole Anderson, and this son of a bitch, he turned them and, and sent them to Vince. Ole's the prick, sent them to Vince. Yeah, that was the ironic part about you and David Schultz being tight, is that in, in hindsight, that whole segment ended up costing David Schultz 
his job and, and maybe his career. I don't know. Uh, well, what happened was that Vince was trying to get rid, rid of him, right? And he, and, and, and he knew that if he told David to go slap somebody, David would do it. Sure. And, and, I, and I told him, ABC guys, not to do it and not to, not to film any – not to do – I, I, I told him not to do David because they pointed him out, you know. Who's that guy? I said, well, he was my partner. I said, but don't go interview him. I said, because he'll slap shit out of you. <laughs> and he did. Did uh, and he did. Did they put you with Jim Wilson, or was that something you guys went in together? Well, Jim Wilson kind of jumped on my, my bandwagon. Yeah. And so, and, and, and you know, I, I, I can't, it's hard to speak about a dead guy, you know, because he can't defend himself. Right. And so, you know, he, 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 he was trying to do the right thing by by the wrestling business you know to, to to get a union and all that and what i really wanted to do and and now i don't see why they they they, they don't force uh events to do it is what i was what i was going to do uh with the iwf uh when i went into universal dave was was this i was i was talking to the sag people here and and uh florida right and um and I said, hey, when we get to bringing more money, I said, I, I want these guys to be able to join SAG or AFTRA because it was separate back then. So you have AFTRA, which is American Federation of Television, you know? Right. And that means if, if like, you and me have been on TV for years, we could go join that association right. and pay our dues and, and get, get the benefits of of. Of a, a a bundle, in other words, sure, we could get you know Insur- uh, insurance, yeah, insurance, yeah, retirement, yeah, yeah. yeah remember- they, got, they even got a retirement home. Uh, yeah, you know? I, so anyway, I, I, I spoke to not to cut you off. I spoke to Terry Funk um, uh, uh, about six months ago, and he's having some health issues. God bless him, and his wife just passed. God bless, and um, yes, Lord. And, but he said the greatest thing that ever happened to him. He told me, he said, David, the greatest thing ever happened to me was that I have my insurance through the SAG AFTRA, however you, whatever it is now, I think it's combined that, uh, yes, that, SAG he, after. that, that he put in yes. enough to, that he put in enough time in the, the acting business that he's covered. So all these issues that he's dealing with now, at least it's not, you know, it's, it, it, you know, like 90% of it is covered by that insurance. And he, he told me, he said, uh, you know, I didn't ask him about it. He just said, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me is that I was able to qualify for that. So, and, and, and I'm glad cause he's a, he's a wonderful human being and I uh, wish him the best. Yeah. And it is. And, and he's having a, he's having a rough, rough time, yeah. you know, with, with Vicky and, and, passing away and you know my thoughts and prayers you know because me and terry are really close and and it just it just just tears me up to see him hurting like that and um you know he's he's a tough old roll bone cowboy though he'll be he's gonna make it and he's got a lot of good people to support him and he's gonna be fine i hope he's uh he's, he's the best of all time in my opinion um so I went. I went from Atlanta. I left uh, and went. What, let me let me tell you some stories about me that people don't tell. Please. What, me and Scott Casey, we drew the largest crowd in San Antonio wrestling history. We sold out every arena around in the state of Texas. I believe I, I know that for a fact. And and so ask me some questions 
about that. So I just want to finish up with the 2020 stuff and then we'll be done with it. Uh, okay. Do you, cause I was, I was a fan in 1984 when this aired, uh, I was 18 years old. I was a huge wrestling fan. Uh, was a, a, you know, infatuated with the business on a business side. And, and look, I knew that I knew that it wasn't quote unquote real, but I didn't know the secrets, you know, and, and I, and I remember watching the piece, my eyes glued and, you know, you showed the hip toss and people could see it. It's still online. Uh, you showed the hip toss and you, you know, you showed how you do the body slam and, it, and, and none of that shocked me. What shocked me was, when you when you pulled out the razor blade, because I had never known and never even thought to myself that they cut each other, they cut themselves. I didn't know what it was, if it was fake blood or real or what it was or blood capsules. But I had no clue. And I was my 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 chin hit the floor. Looking back, do you think that 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 part of the segment went too far? Do you regret that at all? Or do you think, hell, if I'm going to let it well, all out, I'm going to let it all I out. Had to, if I had to do it again with, with what it accomplished. I wouldn't do it at all because they lied to me. Sure. They didn't do it. it, it, it the focus went on John Stossel right. and his, 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 his fucking ego. <laughs> and, and I, and I called him on it too. And, and when they started messing with David, uh, along with Vince McMahon, trying to steal David's house and put him and, and Peggy and Jesse on, on the street, I went to, uh, the president of ABC at the time. I said, let me tell you something. If you don't back him off right now, if you if you if I if you don't call that damn lawyer and back his ass off of David Schultz, I so help me God, I'll call a press conference at four o'clock this afternoon and say you double cross me. You did double cross me. Right. You know if you notice that that show has never been able to air again. Yeah, it never has. You're right. Were, were you worried? Yeah. Were you worried about your safety when it aired? Uh, you know, it's one thing to think about. You know, I'm gonna get these son of a bitches and I'm gonna show them and and expose. The well, business. it wasn't. It wasn't about me. Me trying to show it anybody. Uh, I, I I didn't do it out of vengeance. But did you, you get any? I mean? Did you get any threats? I mean, you know, look, this is 1984. This is 35 years ago. It's a totally different time in the yeah. business. Well, now, well, if you well, went that- on. If you went on TV tomorrow and showed how uh, what you and and that segment aired and people could see that segment, it's online. If people watch that segment now, they'd be like, "Yeah, so what?" You know, it's, uh, I, we know all that. You know, it's not a big deal. But back then, and I can't stress enough. Uh, you know, it was it was. You told me it was the highest rated segment in the history of 2020. So I'm just wondering, did you get any death threats? Uh, people really thought you were screwing with their 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 livelihood. Well, the wrestlers, not uh, none of the wrestlers. At all, but but uh, but some of the promoters threatened to kill me. Sure, I can I can imagine. Uh, all the wrestlers, the the wrestlers were hoping I won. Really? Because oh yeah, because they all they did was ride up and down the road bitching and complaining and didn't have the balls to do it. But see, the, if they would have done the segment like they promised me they were going, if I'd have been savvy as I am now in production, their ass wouldn't have done that. I'd have had final edit on. It. Sure, sure. Okay, and, but but I. But I came out of the wrestling business at that time, and and I and I was trying to stand up for what was right and and get us some benefits and 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 everything and and you know they did it they did it just ass backwards and and they they, they put the screws to me and there's nothing I can do about it you know sure. they they had final edit sure all right but so they, but 
So we're, we're done with that. I'm not going to harp on that anymore, but I did want to get a little bit of insight that you had never talked about, about how you hooked up with ABC, how, how Jim Wilson became involved, what the story was with Ole Anderson. So I appreciate your honesty and, and, and your honesty about the fact that in hindsight, you wouldn't have done it knowing what, what happened. Um, so it, <laughs> for somebody who's a businessman, the only other question I have about it is, is when you look back now, uh, do you wish that you'd have found a way, if you were going to do it anyway, found a way to monetize it? <laughs> well, I, I, I was offered a, a, a chunk of money to write a book. Um, and um, back then, you know, you didn't have the avenues you have today. Right. And I was offered a, 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 a six-figure deal with a book publisher to to tell the behind the scenes uh, of what goes on in locker rooms and all that other stuff and i and i looked at this publisher and i said i said mister i said you really don't understand me i said i i didn't do 2020 to 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 go talk about what guys do in the locker room or, or what they do in their private lives that's that's not me. That wasn't what that was for. It was to help the guys get a pension and, and, and health insurance. And I, and I turned down a six figure book deal uh, on that. And, you know, it, it, and it really irks my ass now because when I see all this stuff is written now and I, and I turned down, you know, a whole bunch of money, yeah. a boatload of money. I didn't get a, I didn't get a dime for doing 2020. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying because I know you. You're a shrewd businessman, and so I, I, I'm, I'm thinking part of you looks back and says, you know, maybe I should have taken the book deal, or, or, or if that wasn't what you were doing. And I, I believe you're a stand-up guy when you say you didn't want to give the inner secrets to the guys. You just wanted to try to help. I mean, them. why would I want to? Okay, just for instance, say if if you're messing around on your wife, okay, and 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 I know that because I'm in the wrestling business, right? Well, I go put that in the book and that caused you a divorce and you, you lose your, your wife your, and, and your kids. Yeah. I mean, what, what kind of, uh, what kind of person does that? Well, people have asked me if I'm ever going to write a book and I was never offered six. I don't even, I don't think I was offered four figures, but they have asked me if I'm going to write a book. And I always say no, because the only stories that I know that are interesting are stories that would, for different reasons, either that, what you just mentioned, messing around on, on people's spouses or things that are now considered politically incorrect that were just part of the business because that's what you said and did. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd have to bury everybody, all my friends. And so uh, <laughs> the book the book would be great if I could tell the truth. And if I can't, the book would suck. So no, I sort of yeah. I, I sort of understand where you're where, and, and, you know, so I, I get where you're coming from. So. We talked about this. What made you want to start uh, the uh, the IWF and and how you approached Universal Studios or they approached you? How did that work? Because you were based in Orlando at that point, correct? No, I was in New York. Oh, you're in New York. Um, yeah, I lived on Madison Avenue in New York for nice for a lot. Of, yeah, eight two three Madison Avenue, and um, between sixty eighth and sixty ninth, I lived up there for. You know, many many years when I got out of the wrestling business. What were you and, doing? Uh, what, what were you doing? Production? Do, I was I was doing television, right. and um, that's where I learned. I got broken by by some of the best in the business, like Rune Arledge. Wow. Um, uh, Lonnie Guida, he was a former uh, C, C, uh, CFO of um, 
of NBC and um, co-founder of USA Network with uh, Joe Coyne. And um, we'll, we'll talk about the USA Network contact with the uh, XWF. And uh, I want to I touch on that. And uh, But when, when I went to I – like, I, I'd love to talk about me and Scott Casey. I, I, I was so proud of uh, the way Scott Casey did as, as a baby face in, in the state of Texas. Sure, uh, go. We, we, we sold out everywhere. The floor and, is yours, whatever and, you want to say. Well, it, it, it's just, you know, I've, I've, I've been beaten to death on 2020. And it's like, okay, it, you know, um, some guy says, you, you know, like some of these guys says, well, why, why didn't somebody uh, whip my ass? Well, they had plenty of time to whip my ass. They didn't want to whip my ass. They wanted right. me to win. You know, they wanted to win. I mean, look, if, if even today, with Vince McMahon, I made Vince McMahon tap out. How so? Because, right? well, because he he said the same thing I said on 2020. He admitted it. Yep. He 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 admitted that 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 it's entertainment. Okay, if it's entertainment, now's the time, Vince. You're a publicly held company. You need to give the wrestlers 401k and health insurance and benefits. And I'm not picking on Vince because I have highly, I, I believe me, what this guy has accomplished, man, people have no idea how hard it is to do what he's done. Sure. This guy is, he's really done a great, great work. And, and, and I, my hats are off to him, believe me. And, and I have no battles with him or, or anything. But it's like with uh, Cody Rhodes, uh, all elite, right? If they if they got in with with SAG, and and offered offered uh, benefits, you know what I mean to the wrestlers. That that would be something. Sure. And I was I was trying to do that with IWF, and I just didn't last long enough to do that. Sure. And I, or I would have got it. Uh, many people probably don't know that uh, the Billy and Bart Gunn were uh, were two of the stars of uh, the IWF. Uh, do you still keep in touch yeah, with those RBD guys? Too. RBD too. RBD. Kevin Kelly, yeah. the New Japan announcer now, Ring of Honor yep. announcer. Uh, I, I I broke him in. I broke all them guys in. <laughs> yeah. Did uh, I gave RBD his? It, yeah. Did Did you were you disappointed? Billy Gunn didn't say to mention your name in the Hall of Fame speech. <laughs> I say that kind of as uh, you know, just because he probably couldn't from a uh, political situation. But um, you said you, you still talk to him. I know he's involved in the uh, All Elite Wrestling. No. I don't. I don't talk to him. I hardly talk to him when he worked for me. Oh, he's an asshole. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, he, he's always been an asshole, and he's not going to stop. And so I can't correct him. He's a grown man. You know. It's funny because I he did it when he's working for me. He did a good job. Hey, I gave him one of the best gimmicks, man. It's, uh, I created the Smoking Guns. They changed their name to the Smoking Guns. But their names were Kip Winchester and Brett Colt. Yep. If the Colt didn't get you, the Winchester would. Yes, you did. Uh, it's funny because I did an interview WrestleMania weekend with Billy Gunn. And me and Billy Gunn had never really said three words to each other, you know, and, and it was funny. My son, and I told him all this after the interview, my son, who's a big wrestling fan, my oldest son would always say, you know, are you, you know, when I work for TNA and impact, are you friends with this guy? How's this guy? How's this guy? He'd say, so how about <laughs> Billy Gunn? And I'd say, I don't think Billy Gunn likes me. 
And and that's fine. You don't have to like me. You know, that, that, that's cool. Right. And, and he would say, why? And I'm like, you know, I kind of walk by him and he doesn't really say hello to me. And, and in, in all fairness, I don't really say hello to him. We kind of nod our heads and, and that's about it. And, and, and so we did this interview, uh, 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 WrestleMania weekend. And he said that he was an introvert. He was talking about doing a gimmick with the beautiful people as cute Kip. And he talked about being an introvert where he really has a hard time, uh, in life talking to people and engaging with people that he's not comfortable with. And I said, and I said on camera, I thought you just didn't like me. And he laughed and he said, no, he said, I'm just an introvert. And, and, and after the, the camera stopped rolling, I told him the story about, uh, about my son, you know, and just thinking, and I was like, look, you don't have to like me, but, and that's cool. But uh, it's nice to know that, that that's just your personality. So it was interesting. It was sort of, it was sort of fun, <laughs> funny after all those years to, to try to kind of stumble upon the real story, or at least that was his story and i believe him hey let's talk about the xwf um i was part of it you're part of it a lot of uh yeah one of the things we've done in this podcast is is focused a lot we had um brian knobs on that he did a uh he, he was on twice uh but he did um a specific uh xwf uh specific segment basically telling the whole story about that um you might know better than i do uh because you were the, uh, you produced the, the show. Uh, I believe you produced, or I don't know the exact title, directed, produced, but your production company was in charge of all the all the stuff done on uh, Universal Lot. And then uh, me and you got to go. Was it Little Rock, Arkansas, where it snowed, where we went to edit and almost killed each other? No, Tulsa. I knew. Okay, I was close, Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, did. You mentioned uh, USA Network. Did I, I always assumed if you're going to hire people, and look, I've moved 20 times in my life. This is the greatest move I ever had. They paid for guys to come and pack everything up from my house in Georgia, bring it all down, unpack it. My, all my wife had to do was point, and she was thrilled to death because usually we're lifting <laughs> right. boxes. So I'm figuring if you're going to pay that kind of money, that pay, you have – a plan, you know, you have, you know, like, uh, you know, I think a, uh, all elite wrestling, they have, they may not know exactly where they're going, but I think that they know that there's places they could go. You might know the answer to this that I don't, cause you mentioned USA and you want to talk about it. Was there a plan? Was USA a plan that fell apart? Well, yeah. What happened was I know Bonnie hammer. She runs, she's a top dog at, 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 uh, USA right. network. Right. And so I called Bonnie, and they it, it, at that time, you remember that Vince just left to go to Spike, right, right, and and they and they were looking for something, and I called Bonnie, and I said, "Hey Bonnie, I got you a wrestling show," and so I sent her one, and she said, "I'll take it." She said, "You go, I'm gonna do you just like I did Vince, though." She he said, "What you have to do is you have to put on, you know." 10 shows or eight to 10, right? And see if they, they, they draw a number. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then they will start paying. Well, I told that to, uh, Lug, Lud, Denny, and the, the lawyer out of New York. John Flood. And they wanted to get paid. Yeah. They wanted to get paid. I said, well, it doesn't work that way. You gotta, you gotta make sure that you, you can draw. They're not going to pay you right out of the shoot. I said, we got to we got enough people and players that it will draw. I said, it's going to outdraw Spike. And I then, said, because Spike's a weaker network. Right. And they wouldn't budge on, on the money. And uh, Bonnie, Bonnie, Bonnie Hammer said, 
I'll put them on, on a barter. So in other words, you could sell USA Network with national spots each week, you know what I mean, on the sure. wrestling show, and and it, it would make it profitable. And then they would have had a contract with USA that would have paid them. All they had to do was run seven, eight weeks sure. and pull a number. That was it. Um, finding that out is a shame because I never got the rest. It's like Paul Harvey. Now you know the rest of the story, and uh, uh, it could have been something. And then, and then at the end of the day, Vince stole half the talent anyway. So uh, we got more people. I like to say we got more people jobs than uh, <laughs> than any other uh, than any other gimmick ever happened. Now. I, I, I say and it was that, a good looking show. It the was show looked great. And and we we fought tooth and nail, me and you over the edits. And and I don't remember why. And and you know, hey, life's too short. Uh, you know, I just remember back then me and you kind of butt heads. Do you have do you remember why? I don't know because I'm I'm pretty anal when I come to editing to make sure that, that things are, are are that look right. You know what I mean? Right. And we I think you and me would disagree on, on certain camera angles. Because you were you you were used to seeing WCW, and WCW had a tendency to shoot with a, with a far away, with a long lens. You know what I mean? All the time, and right. instead of go, coming in, I wanted to see the sweat. You know what I mean? I wanted to get real close up to really get the sweat on 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 their on their bodies and stuff. You know, and because on on certain guys you can you can work that way because they work snug enough. They you know they they they're not you don't see through. And that that was the only problem you and me had. Yeah, I would say I would say like take this camera angle and cut two seconds here, and you would say hell no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 that went on I think for uh, like two weeks or three weeks, and then it was snowing outside. And I, uh, oh man, we 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 leave Florida at at, at, at like eighty degrees and go yeah. to Tulsa. It 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 a snow one day, hot the next, and yeah. didn't sleep. It was crazy. Yeah, thank God for vodka. Hey, um, what what are you up to now? Uh, I know you still have the production company. I know that you have a lot of non wrestling stuff that you've done in the past. Uh, you you we had mentioned off the before we started taping uh, that you uh, had an Emmy nominated uh, um, uh, show with Peabody uh, Peabody nominated Peabody nominated uh, with uh, 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 about motorsports. So tell us a yeah, little bit about that. Motorsports hosted by John Andretti. And, you know, also starring Jimmy the Mouth of the South Heart, you know, and uh, some of the other wrestlers, Goldberg, DDP, and then a lot of the, 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 uh, the, 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 the younger racers, like A.J. Fort the Fourth and Ryan, and, and there was just so many um, that have went on since that show. They got three, well, I think we got three that's, that's driving in NASCAR right now. It was it was on that uh, set of thirteen. That's great. So that's really good. And if, and and, that, and now I just I just signed to do uh, you 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 know the the show Tank about the fish tanks. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've just been signed to produce that my company. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. And so that's going to be a, a a big time show for us. And and then we got a um, another uh, big motorsports. Uh, show coming out after that. And so, I mean, you know, I've been, I've been blessed, you know, to, to work hard and, and, you know, there is life after wrestling sure. and, and, you know, like, like, you know, with the cauliflower alley club, you know, they had a, you know, I think the cauliflower alley club was uh, last night 
You know, yeah. I hate to date anything, you know. But anyway, it was last night, and, you know, you had Haku and Barbarian. They got the tag team award. And Larry Matizak. Did you ever know Larry uh, out of not. St. Louis? I did not. I've heard a lot you, about You would have loved him. Probably. And he would have loved you. You you guys would have just really hit it. Because, I mean, you got a lot of talent, Dave. A lot, a lot of people can say whatever they want. I know one thing. you got a lot of talent. Uh, and you, so You did say whatever you want back in the day, and I respect that. But I, I appreciate you saying that now. Hey, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't go to Cauliflower Alley only because I'm not a big fan of Las Vegas. And the travel is brutal, and the... And, and then it's during the week when I, you know, when I'm trying to run a real estate company and, uh, and, yeah, and do this tough. podcast. You know, so it's, it's hard on me. I don't go. That's yeah. why I don't go. So I can't, I, I'm like you, I can't just drop, you know, what I'm doing and, and just go out there for three or four days. I'd but, love to. But I was happy. I, I was happy for Ming and, and, and Barb, uh, well, well, well deserved. And I saw, uh, Tyrus, uh, uh, who's gone on to, who was a friend of the show. We've had him on several times, uh, Fox news contributor. He, uh, supposedly, yeah. supposedly gave an incredible, uh, introduction speech for those guys. And Ming is, I don't know if you know this, Ming is his father-in-law. So oh, is it? Oh, Tyrus is. Yeah. Tyrus is, uh, Tyrus is married to Ming's daughter. Uh, so you can imagine, you can imagine, I, I always tease Tyrus about that, you know, uh, could you have found it Ooh. tougher? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he, I say, what, I say, what did you say? He said, I said, yes, sir. And no, sir. And I said, whatever the heck he told me to say. Uh, and he, exactly. But, uh, and then you, Hey, then you had, you know, Dory Funk Jr. Was honored. Yeah, uh, goodness. David Schultz. Uh, I, I, one of, one of, one of, uh, one of the funniest guys and, and, Best looking announce uh, uh, referees was Scrappy McGowan. Sure, he used to have blonde hair. He uh, all the girls love him, and if you see him now, he's bald headed. I just saw him. I saw him at a show at an indie show I did in uh, Griffin, Georgia, a couple of about four months ago. Yeah, totally bald with a mustache and doesn't look anything like him. But uh, and even no, his, you wouldn't even recognize him. And his know? his right. his son referees, and his son's bald. You think his son at least have the full head of hair like his dad did? But uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, Scrappy, he was happening. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, long blonde hair, and, uh, and, and yeah, I understand he was uh, he was honored as well. Hey, um, uh, you mentioned your last match was against Dory Funk Jr., correct? Yeah, it was. It was well, I really came in and 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 cleared the ring with 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 me and Junior, and and so I kind of. I, I did my heel stuff on 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 the guys and 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 stuff like that, but we we were kind of we were it was it was a, it was a sellout. It's always a sellout up there in Ocala because the building's not that big. Sure. And so anyway, and um, you know as, as old timers would tell you, it's always a sellout. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. anyway, yeah. That, the last time I was in the ring was uh, with Junior, and. Well, uh, I love the Funks. They're they're very very dear to me, um, Junior and Terry, and um, they 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 really helped me a lot. Man, they were they were with me in you know my big run in in, in Texas, right. and um, I got a lot of guidance. Let me tell you, me and that Terry Funk, we were in a riot one night in, in Corpus Christi. Now Corpus Christi was a rough town, and they were they were packed. And our opponents was Wahoo McDaniel and and Scott Casey. So, as you know, there's a lot of blood everywhere. And sure. so, anyway, man, here they come. 
and they were they starting to uh, and we I said, man, we're going we're going to have a ride tonight, T. He goes, well, I'm ready. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, and so we we started kicking them 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 guys back off the ring and stuff and and kicking and we went into the finish and and you know did a get a screw finish on on them and and out we went and there wasn't enough cops to keep them back and they started throwing chairs at us and all that stuff i said hey don't stop terry because terry would always stop and yell at him and as soon as you tell him not to do something he's like a little kid you know <laughs> it's like sure as hell if you tell him don't stop he's gonna stop so we got like thousands of people coming out of throwing belt buckles at us chairs and all this other stuff right and he turns around and goes yeah, you think you badasses? You bring, bring it on! And about that time, boom, he got hit right in the neck with a knife. Ooh! And I looked at him. He looked at me and he said, "Fast, Daddy, they just stabbed me." I said, "I told you not to stop." I said, "Let's go." <laughs> and so we got to the locker room, and he had one of them pen knives. He pulled it out of the side of his neck. He said, "The bastard stabbed me." Can you believe that? You know, like <laughs> I'm telling you. We've been through. I could tell you, me and me and Terry Funk stories, man. I could tell you the time, I, I, but I don't. I'm not going. I'm not going to get into it right now because I'll, I'll tell you later. Um, All right. On a, on a different. All yes, right. But we'll do a we'll do a uh, we'll do a special Terry Funk episode, and we'll have you on to tell some Terry Funk stories. He's my my favorite of all time, and one of the nicest guys, and and I consider him a friend, and I know uh, he's a, a very good friend to you as well. Uh, hey, Eddie, thanks for 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 the time, and uh, uh, hopefully uh, we'll catch up. I know they do these legends lunches here uh, every uh, quarter. Uh, I wasn't. Yeah, they just honored me. Yeah, they I know. They honored me in I, Tampa. Yeah, I know yeah. they did. I wasn't able to come out to that one. I had some uh, a real estate closing, but uh, but I'm going to be out there at the next one. So hopefully you'll be there, and I'll buy you a drink. That sounds good. Hey, it, <laughs> and 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 it's so great to talk to you again, Dave. And and I wish you and the family well, and you know that. And yeah. and I just hope we wasn't all over the place. I hope no. we can. Uh, you could get a, a half. Show out of this thing, you know. You know, Eddie. What I tell people is, uh, what I want to get is like a couple of guys driving from the one town to the next, or and and telling stories. Right. And sometimes it's all over the place, but the stories are fun and the the conversation is fun. So uh, that's that's what we get. We don't try to prefabricate anything, or you know, we just we just like talking to the guys. And I appreciate your time. You had an interesting story to tell. Uh, the L.A. stuff was great. I know you're very proud and deservingly so of the the records that you broke in. in in uh, the Southwest, and uh, and 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 I appreciate you giving us a little context to the uh, to what you're probably most known for, uh, which is the uh, the highest rated twenty. At least you could at least you could say you were on the highest rated twenty twenty episode of all time. So you <laughs> yeah, can have- yeah, but but you know yeah it, now it, it, now I got ratings right. I can use that right. Yeah, and, exactly. But but it, it's. Um, it's just a shame that they didn't do it the right way as they promised. Yeah. And, um, that's, that's the only thing that really bothers me to this day, that if they would have done it the right way, it'd have been okay. Yeah. It, it would, it, it would, I, I tell you, it would have, it would have changed the business for, for, for the guys, you know, with, with the, uh, with the health benefits yeah. and, well, we got so many guys like Kamala and, and other people that, that really need the help. And, and, and you know, we can go on for days and uh, about, about so many, so many of the guys, but 
Dave, thanks so much for yeah. having me. Hey, it taught you. It taught you. It taught you a good lesson. If you don't like the final edit of your own stuff, start a production company where you get the final say. <laughs> there you go. Hey, and, and then you, you have, have to do that. And then you have a pain in the ass ring announcer in Tulsa uh, uh, arguing with you over everything. But hey, that that's fun to catch up and laugh about. Interesting story about Bonnie Hammer. That's a shame that never went anywhere. Hey, thank you, Eddie, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. Best to you. All right. Bye bye. I had a good time with Eddie Mansfield, and I hope you did too. Let me know on Twitter at David Penzer or at Penzer Ringside what you thought. Um, uh, interesting. Uh, I think we got into things about the 2020 interview and his plans for that, and what he would hope would happen. That and how he uh, how it happened. I think we got into things that he's never talked about before, and and that was my goal because he has talked about it before in the past. It's not the first time he ever has talked about it. I believe it's the first podcast he's done in at least uh, at least. 10 years. But, uh, and I, I think before that, that was more of a shoot interview than a podcast. But, um, I really wanted to delve into his thoughts and, uh, how he got hooked up with ABC and how he got hooked up with Jim Wilson, who is a partner in crime. If you haven't watched it yet, the attachment of the segment is, uh, here in the description on, uh, this pod, this week's podcast. So, uh, be sure to check it out. And a lot of fun stories about, uh, Roddy Piper and partying in LA and, uh, and, and, and Terry Funk. And, you know, I could tell Roddy Piper, listen to Roddy Piper and, and Terry Funk stories, uh, for five hours every day. And they would never get old. And, uh, hope you agree. So, cause we're going to tell lots of them as we keep on rolling on City Ringside. Uh, let us know what you think of the episode at David Penzer at Penzer Ringside on Twitter. Until next time, when we have another great guest, I'm David Penzer, still sitting ringside. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. This is a dark to light with Frank and Beans quick fix on Radio Influence. I was on YouTube the other day. Obviously, I have a, you know, I have I push out a lot of information on YouTube that I I, you know, I do. And I w- I did a so I was looking for the bar hearings cuz I live tweeted that entire debacle and I found when you know no longer when you search for things on YouTube do you get anybody like it's supposed to be like YouTube, like you and I, you know, normal everyday people putting their videos up for the world to see. All you're getting is CNN, Fox, um, rarely, um, CBS, NBC. You don't get regular people's videos anymore in the search at all. And not only that, I did a search last night for Cardi B because I was looking for a clip. She did some crazy nonsense. Um, and I found this horrifically obscene group of search results that came back at me. And I'm like, who holds them accountable for the double standard? Is there any way to hold them accountable for the double stay? Are we just lo- in a losing battle here? Is there some crafty way, Rich, we can get around this? I think a lot of people would be surprised to know my own personal political views. I don't like turning to the government for anything. That includes, you know, conservatives always trying to push their values on other people. Values should be reflected in the law. The law should not reflect your values kind of thing. I'm a Cicero kind of guy. And I just simply think that with the so- – I'm not a lawyer, but with social media – what they want is they're, they want to have their cake and, and eat it too, or whatever that expression is. They want to be treated as news publishers and have the same protections as them. But they also want to keep their traditional role as a public space. 
So uh, it's it's almost like they're putting themselves above even the news publishers because they want those same protections, but they, they want a complete lack of accountability. Dark to Light with Frank and Beans can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.